0: Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics, with your host, Ben Husong, and me, Sean Han. Welcome to episode 88 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us.
1: Happy to be here.
0: How was your weekend?
1: My weekend was wonderful. Uh,
0: any uh, uh, green uh, St. Patrick's Day festivities that uh, you were uh, partaking in over the uh, weekend? It's a uh, tradition here in the uh, upstate great city of Syracuse. Did you see we were the ninth-ranked uh, most Irish city in the U.S.?
1: I did not see that.
0: Probably behind Boston a little bit, but...
1: You know, and apparently seven other cities. Yeah. So...
0: I didn't check and see if Boston was number one, but you're probably in the top. I don't know. Three or, Yeah. But either way, anyway. So... Uh, <laughs> Parade Day, here in Syracuse, first time in three years. Good, I mean, because of COVID.
1: Oh yeah, or because of the government overreaction. Well, right. well, the first year, I'll give it to them.
0: Yeah, because it, it literally it. happened right at right right on Parade Day. I think it actually it was all happening.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I was at a party <laughs> when this all happened. I was uh, uh, I was at a party when the when we're watching the news and Donald Trump comes on and we're all like, "Wait, what's happening? Are we not supposed to be together right now?" That was that was an interesting party.
0: Yeah. Well oh. three years' hindsight. You're probably all right.
1: So far, so good. But to answer your question, no, I did nothing to celebrate oh. parade day or the clearly Irish nature of my genealogy and background. I uh I spent Saturday doing some stuff around the house and then drove to Buffalo to go visit my in-laws with with the kids. Got to do a little white knuckle driving as I got through Rochester, and there was complete whiteout conditions. So that was fun. That's never fun. And uh, and then I got to my in-law's house in Buffalo, and I had a Heineken because that was the only beer they had. And I like Heineken. I'm not complaining.
0: Heineken's gross. Go ahead. It
1: was a Heineken light, but... Even worse. uh, Probably better, actually. It is, actually. It tastes better than a regular Heineken. So anyways, but I had that, and that was nice. had some good food. Caught up with their family. It was great to see everybody. Spent the night there. Spent Sunday in town, and then uh, turned around and came back.
0: Yeah, crazy, crazy here in Syracuse when you get uh, basically a blizzard warning on the day of your parade day. So, so but, what
1: was you were downtown? You were yeah, well, you were there. I,
0: it was funny because Albany postponed their parade, and Syracuse is like, what? Like, mush forward, let's keep going. What are you talking about postponing? We haven't done this in three years. We're doing it right. So uh, no, it was uh, very festive, very, uh, very good time downtown. Uh, I, I think understand. everybody had a good time. It was. Uh, uh, long overdue i guess for the uh, ninth most uh, Irish city in the us
1: i agree and you were you were down there slinging drinks giving the people what they want
0: i got a little tendinitis yeah a lot of drinks
1: that'll happen what was the drink of the day
0: uh miller lite i didn't see that no uh, guinness <laughs> i mean who poured a lot of Guin- i i only say miller lite because one of the uh one of the uh, we had the uh the firefighters in and uh, one of the firefighters bought two cases of miller lite right when he the first order of <laughs> And he was just like I'm just gonna bring these over here. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> I just so.
1: assumed it was in honor of Charlie Miller that people were drinking. Uh, he was the not there, so
0: teenage. no, yeah, he yeah. was. Uh, I'm sure he was out uh, partying it up in other parts of the uh, Armory Squarish.
1: I've seen the pictures. I've read the articles. He was certainly yes. out celebrating on. That I
0: saw day. him uh, uh, chasing a plow down the uh, parade, as uh, fitting as it should be, I guess, in Syracuse on parade day.
1: Anywhere else, that sentence would sound <laughs> weird. <laughs>
0: All right, before we get into some of these uh, substantive news topics, how about everybody uh, take the time out here to uh, like and share the video, send it out to all your friends, all your family, and if you're listening to it uh, on Spotify or Apple or wherever else you're listening to your uh, podcast, make sure to leave a uh, five-star rate and review for us, and uh, that helps us out with the algorithms. So um, here we are. We're here for you guys. So, All right, let's let's do similar to what we did last week here, so... We don't really have a, I don't have like a major uh, uh, sports topic per se, but I do think we have a bunch of topics to discuss.
1: The goat is returning.
0: Well, that's number one on my list. Tom Brady is back.
1: After a brief two and a half week retirement.
0: (laughs) Do you think that had to do with Giselle or uh, that was uh, him basically being like, hey, I wonder what's going on in the, you know, what else? can happen uh, for my uh, life as a former football player.
1: I mean, I think it's obviously inflation. He saw the price of gas (laughs) and was like, whoa, this changes my whole financial plan. I got to get back in there. I got to earn some more money. We're going to pay for this.
0: Yeah. um, I, you know, not that I was surprised by him coming back. I'm, you know, retirements are just You know announcements, so you can unannounce anytime you want. At this point, right? I mean, it wasn't like he was five years removed, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Eh, "Oh, coming back." That would have been newsworthy, right? Like just coming back like two weeks, right? Right. I'm sure he didn't get out of shape. Is my point. So yeah, I
1: think he's okay there. Um,
0: I mean, the bank account's probably not hurting. he's coming back to win another title. I guess right. He wants to walk out like John Elway. uh,
1: Yes, I would. I would assume that's. that's But if he wins, he's just
0: going to come back and do it again. I
1: I don't know how he walks away. He's still the the best at some point,
0: right? I mean, he's still competing at the top levels like how how do i mean i'm just it's not like roethlisberger where like you're like okay you're past your prime let's it's time
1: (laughs) right i think the person who did the retirement absolute best was jerome battis jerome battis stayed with the city he was there he was at the peak he was high you didn't know how much better he could be than what he was he won the super bowl in his hometown was like the bus stops in detroit and it was it was the perfect ending to his career and good for him i'm just happy tom brady's in the nfc because the afc is so stacked with ridiculously good quarterbacks, that it's not fair.
0: So I'm going to rain on Jerome Bettis a little bit here. Why? Because it worked out like a fairy tale. But if you go back to the AFC Championship game against the Colts, Bettis fumbles going in, and the Colts pick it up, and they're running back for the game-winning touchdown. And Roethlisberger is stumbling backwards, spinning around, spinning around, and somehow reaches out and grabs the dude's foot. With one hand, and the dude falls. He had a game-winning touchdown return. He Bettis was going to be a goat. I mean, the 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 whoa! He was going to literally be the the biggest flop of like all that storytelling would have come undone, unravelled if not for one shoestring tackle by Ben Roethlisberger.
1: And see, I don't even remember that.
0: If you watch that play, you can see Roethlisberger knows. Oh crap! It's come. It's coming. Like he's the only one back. He's running. He's literally just running towards the goal line. Facing, trying to get far enough a back, so he can have an angle to tackle this dude. Yeah, yeah. There's two guys with him, too. And I don't know. The dude just, you know, he's trying to cut back and forth to make Roethlisberger miss. And Roethlisberger just spins and reaches out and fucking man his wow. foot and grabbed it. Like It was, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the video. Now. Now, yeah. It's mm-hmm. literally changed Jerome Bettis's career for the His better. legacy. His legacy. For, forever. For right. sure. So I'm guessing Bettis knows this. How do you not? Because he literally, Bettis fumbled the ball at the goal line and it was going back the other way. So anyway, down memory lane there. I, I guess. didn't know that. I yeah. learned something today. Um, but let's talk about other than uh, Brady coming back, which I guess will you know just chalk this up to another year of uh, the Bucks being competitive. You think Gronk's probably going to go back to the Bucks now I if he comes so. back? Yeah, I, I think so. You're probably right here. What about the Bills though? Uh, new stadium for the Bills.
1: Or are they upgrading the current stadium? I'm not
0: sure exactly. You sent me the Twitter thread here today, so I was skimming through some of the details on it. But Buffalo native Governor Kathy Hochul has decided that um, she's got some money for the Bills and uh, the the Pagulas. So the uh, they don't have enough money to build their own stadium, so they're going to take the taxpayers' money. You know what I want to. $7 7 I'm, million
1: dollars is i I'm, I'm literally
0: I'm always I, I I do not like public financing for stadiums at all. Zero. I don't think Fair. it should happen. I don't I don't whatever. If it's going to happen, those people should have ownership of that stadium, right? So I, all these Buffalo these tax paying people in Erie County whatever, they should get a freaking they should be able to have like a stake in in the ownership of that. And if it sells, they should be able to get money back from it. Like I don't understand how public funding for these stadiums even happens. But, I mean, I, mean, I, I understand get, how it happens, but yeah. like it should never have come to this.
1: I I see why it happens, but I agree. And here's the thing. If you're going to do it, then for the love of God, at least put it somewhere where you could have a multi-use facility where you can do other things than play football in it. You can host concerts and you can have events. I know this is very unpopular amongst the people in Buffalo, but make it a dome that you could use other sports and other events in. If you're going to own it anyway, you might as well try to make money at it. Um, I hate the public financing aspect of it too. Like there is a benefit, don't get me wrong, to having the Bills in Buffalo. Culturally, economically, there there is an absolute benefit. But when you start shelling out 1.4 billion dollars to build a stadium for a league that makes 11 to 15 billion dollars per year, I, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time with this. Like, I I am. I'm having a hard time understanding how the math works
0: out there. Well, I'm sure the construction costs are at an all-time high.
1: (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Cost materials.
0: Um, So, yeah, I mean, like I said, obviously obviously this is going to be – I'm sure this won't be the – there will be news about the stadium from now until the time the Bills play their first game in it anyway. so It would be the uh,
1: most public money ever spent on a U.S. stadium. Let's go Buffalo. Yeah. It's not like New York's in dire financial straits or anything with, with coming out of the pandemic. I'm
0: guessing the next stadium will be the most expensive, too, though, right? Probably. I mean, so I think they just they just jack it. They, they go, oh, well, this one is about $1 billion. This one's got to be more.
1: Just look, look at the monstrosity they just built in Nevada for the Raiders, and this is going to be more than that.
0: Yeah, like, in L.A. They got two teams in L.A. Right? God love them. I mean, the Pagulas need a little handout, so. Um, also in sports, I, we don't really talk about much— March Madness starts, right? March Madness starts. I haven't watched started? a single basketball game all year. Syracuse not in. They didn't even play the NIT didn't even make the NIT, did they? They're not going to, no. no. Okay. That'll be a long uh, March for me. I got nothing to comment on. I mean either. I like that. I, I know everybody loves it. I, I literally haven't watched a college basketball game in maybe three years.
1: I like college basketball still, but it's so different from what I grew up watching now, and it's
0: just worse.
1: And it yeah. used to be so much you could you could get a vested interest. These guys were there three, four years. You got to know the players. You was a team. You got into it. And I'm not saying it's worse. Now I get it's a business and it's it's going in that direction. That's fine. But I do think the end product for the viewers is worse now than it was back then. Yeah, well
0: you can't you can't have all your best players playing in the NBA and right have a, a better product, right? So it's impossible. There you go. Simple math. Even in inflation. Um all right. And I, I, you know, I would say the the first uh, golf half major is uh, underway. A lot of weather uh, destroyed the uh, PGA Championship. Well, not destroyed it; they're still playing, but uh, the uh, schedule uh, has been destroyed there. So they're—I uh, don't think they're going to finish until maybe. I think they just started round four, like r- right now.
1: I think yeah, I think they're starting now.
0: So, I oh, well. Um, I don't know. First golf again. The PGA Championship's not a major, but everybody gets out there. It's not in Florida. I should have stayed.
1: Is Phil Mickelson playing?
0: No. It's not playing. <laughs> I don't think. I'm pretty Still sure Still ain't going
1: to deal with the Saudis? Yeah. yeah. No.
0: All right. Let's switch to uh, uh, a different uh, billionaire. The richest billionaire, that is. Um, did you see? So, Elon, I'm going to bring up his... Wait, his... wait. We got one more sports story to cover. Okay. What is one it? more.
1: Kyrie Irving bought court courtside tickets to go to a Brooklyn Nets game that he was not allowed to play in.
0: So, I was going to ask, and I forgot to look this up, so... Duke played in the ACC championship game, which was being played in Brooklyn too. So I wonder if he went to the I, college. I, so. I, I would, I would think, if I unless the team was traveling or somehow it didn't work out. But it's, I mean, I would think if he was available, he would have went and watched the Duke game again, would have sat courtside with no mask, no vaccine, and been been just fine. But uh, you step onto that court as a paid uh, basketball player, and I, you will be twenty lashes love this
1: I, like I, I actually love Kyrie Irving for doing it for just buying a ticket and sitting courtside sitting right next to the bench that he is not allowed to sit on as a member of the team but he's allowed completely fine to sit right next to the bench we, like the this, this level of stupid that we can't back down from this policy and be like um all right guys we get it it was dumb. Let's fix it. Nope.
0: Yeah. We're doubling down. No. Yeah, they love to double down on the dumbness. Yes, they do. All right. So back over to my boy, Elon. So he puts out something to the effect of, uh, um, uh, where's his original rate? What are your thoughts about probable inflation rate over the next few years? This was uh, about 18 hours ago. Elon Musk just tweets out randomly, no no link, no nothing, whatever. Um, gets a gets a comment from Michael Saylor. You may know him. He's the uh, CEO of MicroStrategy, basically maybe the first company to at least publicly, invest in Bitcoin as a uh, uh, as a means for the uh, the company to invest into Bitcoin. But anyway, so Michael Saylor replies something about inflation and uh, references Bitcoin, um, and Elon Musk goes on to basically give a uh, a general statement about this. He's like, "I still own and won't sell my Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Doge for what it's worth." So he's hodling.
1: I love that he owns
0: Doge. Yeah.
1: Like, well, all the things
0: to own. God love I feel him. like he basically just adopted that one to allow other people to try to get rich too. And so he was like, "I ah, screw it. I'll just, uh, I already have, you know, whatever. What the, what the hell does he need? He needs nothing. He's got enough. No, he's- so the Doge thing, I feel like is just like a side project for him to see if how many other rich people he can create out of Doge. I like it. Yeah. I'm on board. That's a worthwhile thing. Sure. But anyway, so I found it interesting that during this... Uh, High inflation, high price, high gases, all the stuff that's going on. Uh, the one thing that uh, the richest man in the world is not going to sell is any of his uh, hard-earned crypto. So I find that uh, interesting and uh, encouraging, I guess, for anybody who else is invested in uh, into Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin, I guess, in this case. So interesting, I'm, yeah.
1: It Very interesting. And Elon Musk had a busy morning because that wasn't all he did. Oh, Elon Musk also challenged somebody in the Kremlin to hand hand-to-hand combat, one-on-one this, for Ukraine. So he's just trying to solve world peace while well, we're at it, too. He's trying to, he's trying to fight this war one-on-one. Pick, pick your guy, and I'll fight him,
0: and we'll go. I, I mean, if I was Ukraine, I think I would rather just side with Klitschko than Musk. I mean, no offense to Elon.
1: I mean, I I could tell you where my money would be on in that fight.
0: I like. I mean, Klitschko's Ukrainian, so let him go fight those people. All right. You got Drago, Ivan Drago.
1: Ivan Drago could do it. He's old now, though. Yeah. I mean, you had options. Like, let's not dismiss this out of hand. Like, if, if we could do combat via one-on-one soldier, like, that that would be intriguing for everybody, right? How long until we return to that?
0: Uh, do we have to do the white glove, slap in the face first, and then uh, nah, kind of, no, nah, just go right to... That was a
1: British thing. That, okay. I think it was I British. Know. I don't know. But either way. Um, no. So that, is this
0: weapons, or is this just, like, loincloths? I don't know. Oh.
1: It wasn't... Overly specific with details, other than it was challenging him to a duel for Ukraine.
0: <laughs> that's, so, that's high stakes. So who, get, who gets Ukraine? Would Elon get Ukraine?
1: I guess. Wow. I think he would then return it to the people and mm. make Doge the official currency. He's so noble. I'd, I'd be on board.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, pay-per-view? <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> I, I would. I don't even care what it would cost. I would tune in to watch it.
0: No, that. I would watch. I guess.
1: I, mean, right. I would have to like start a GoFundMe because it would be expensive. Yes. But we get people together. Yeah, uh, Elon. Well,
0: eh. All the funds go to some, I don't know.
1: I mean, you know Russia's keeping half of it. Like, Yeah.
0: Oh, well. That sounds like a bad plan. Either way. We didn't think it through. No. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, a uh, heavyweight fight here in New York. Hypothetical New York Democratic primary for governor? Andrew oh. Cuomo? Versus? Kathy Hochul? Is that a possibility, Mr. Husong? I don't know if you saw the Emerson polling uh, outfit there, whatever they're called, Emerson polls. Um, Ran a poll in a hypothetical Democratic primary with Andrew Cuomo, the uh, now disgraced former governor of New York, uh, taking on the current, who's just disgraced for other reasons, uh, current governor, Kathy Hochul, in a... Hypothetical primary, Hochul wins that primary 37% to 33%. Surprisingly close. Um, there were other parts of the uh, the poll that were not so flattering to uh, Andrew Cuomo, like 63% of people said he should not run for office again. But 33% of those polled uh, would have voted for him for the Democratic primary for governor. Uh, are we done with Andrew Cuomo as governor of New York State? Nope. So are you suggesting that he's running this year?
1: Let me put it this way. I watched a video earlier today by a guy named Bo of the Fifth Column.
0: I don't know if you're familiar with this guy at all. All right. It's not Bo Jackson, though, right? It's not Bo Jackson. It's Uh.
1: a southern gentleman, long beard, everything else, who's a, from what I can gather, a socialist. Okay. Uh, Bernie Sanders, means of production, all that type of stuff. And he was talking about something involving Russia and Ukraine. And I was intrigued by it, sent to me by a friend. I've seen a couple of his videos before. But I was busy as I was watching the video, so I couldn't stop it when it ended, and it rolled to an ad. And, you know, son of a gun, if it wasn't an ad explaining why Andrew Cuomo was falsely accused, the victim of prosecutorial misconduct, and New York lost its historic leader despite not being guilty of any of these alleged charges.
0: Yeah, I've seen those ads multiple times.
1: I don't know who's paying for him.
0: Well, his campaign finances—that he's already getting killed by—because he hasn't officially announced, and he's running campaign ads out of his campaign war chest. And people are like, "Hey, that's not what the war chest are supposed to be for. They're not supposed to be to rehab your image because you, you know, copped a feel here." So um, there has been—he, I know who's paying for him. I mean, everybody knows who's paying for. I guess the he is paying for them. He's paying for him. He's got him. a something like—I don't know. I thought, thought he had something like sixteen million dollars. And I mean, so.
1: you don't do that if you're not running. So I don't know what he's running for, could be AG, could be to be governor again, could be any number of things. Um but he's not going away. So
0: well petitioning has started. So these if he is if he is in fact running for something in 2022, then people on the ground have to know. Like there has to be somebody out there being like, "Okay, we're or coordinating petitioning like whatever. He's got to get on the ballot someplace." So
1: I'm not on the I'm not on the ground, so I have no insight Knowledge, and insight, or inside knowledge or insight. I just know from, I'm, I'm good at connecting dots. There's a lot
0: of circumstantial evidence.
1: Yeah, like when you put that out there and you're basically calling Andrew Cuomo the New York's historic leader that was unfairly removed from us. I get the messaging you're going for. I get what you're trying to paint. I get the picture and I know where the next steps are going. So maybe it's not this year, but man, that that'd be a long campaign for him to be starting now. Yeah, I mean,
0: him. Listen, I know you mentioned AG. If he ran against James, that would be the race of the year. Everybody would be, would be, be literally all hands on deck for the media. Would be covering that. I want them. Both to go scorched earth and just kill each other.
1: Not literally kill each other. I'm not like calling for violence because if you do that in America, that'll get you kicked off most social media platforms unless it's directed at Russians, then it's fine.
0: Yeah, we'll get to there in a couple segments, actually. Here's here's
1: just a preview of what's to come. But I hope they just slay each other politically and character assassination left and right and all innuendo and just go after each other because they hate each other and there's so much animosity. I want it. That's what I want.
0: No, I, I feel like Kathy e. Hochul's I, I,
1: not up for the fight,
0: to be honest. Yeah, like, she's not.
1: She's She doesn't have that.
0: I don't think so either. I, I think, think
1: Tish James could fight him. Yeah, probably. And get after I it. think she'd like it. I do too. I think he loves it. He lives for that. And I think she's into it too. And they would be like two, an old school heavyweight boxing competition. Like Mike Tyson fighting George Foreman. Like, you know there's going to be haymakers thrown and you're just there.
0: Let's do this. Yeah. Well, let's keep an eye on... Uh, our former governor and see what, uh, his uh, political future. Hopefully it's not anything where he can do more damage than he's already done anyway. So, <clears throat> all right, let's, um, let's talk a bit about COVID before we talk about Russian Ukraine stuff. Um, this, the Pfizer CEO yeah. is on, uh, I guess CBS, uh, what is that? The morning show, whatever they have over there. On, I think it was Sunday, uh, has come out and said, he, uh, a fourth booster will be necessary for most people, Mister Sung.
1: <laughs> it's the best sales pitch I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, why not? The answer is to just keep taking more.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, somebody's going to say yes, and A so lot of people right, are and so yes. you know, times whatever the dollar amount is. But uh, yeah, so Albert Borla, CEO of Pfizer, he's on Face the Nation. That's the name of the show. Sorry, Face the Nation, folks. Um, I don't even know what to say to these people anymore. Like I said, I, you know, the people who are going to get their boosters are are the same people who already had them, I'm guessing. They're
1: going to keep losing a small percentage yeah. every time. They, I mean, and Here's the thing. I, I have to ask this question. You took the first one. You took the second one. Got it. It didn't work. That's why you had to take a third one. You said, oh, we knew that. Okay, you're lying, but fair enough. You're justifying. No, I'm not here to judge. God bless you. And now the third one worked. I shouldn't say the first two didn't work. They didn't work for long, and they didn't work very effectively. There was some mild benefit for a few months. There was some, well, there was an increased risk followed by a brief period where you actually did get some protection, and then it went away. And they said, now take the third shot. And that brief window uh, after you had the same amount of time where you were at increased risk after the third shot. The window of protection was even shorter than after the first two. And now they're like, well, it didn't work. So we're going to have to take a fourth shot. What other product would you do this for? Like if I'm taking a weight loss supplement and they and they say, look, you're guaranteed you take this, keep your normal routine exercise a little bit. You're going to drop 10 pounds. And I go and initially I gain three pounds and then lose four pounds. So I lost a pound. And they say, okay, well, you just got to take it again. Like, oh, okay. So I take it again, and this time I gain four pounds and lose two pounds. So now I've actually gained weight. And I'm going, but what, what happened? Like, wait, obviously it didn't work, so you just got to take more. You lost the two pounds. Now you just got to keep taking it so you keep losing weight. Right, but every time I first take it, I gain a pound or two, and then I lose, and I'm back to where I started. Well, yeah. Like, what else would you do this
0: for? Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I had a friend over at my house, smart person, very well-educated, checks all the boxes. He literally said to me, I know a guy who got COVID. I asked if he was vaccinated, and he said no, and he got it real bad. And I said, well, gee, I wonder why you got it so bad if you weren't vaccinated. Like, you still believe this? You haven't caught on that this is all for show yet? Like... There is such bad data supporting the idea that the vaccine prevents severe death and hospitalization that it's laughable that it's being pointed to. You can't show me an RCT that demonstrates this. You can't show me any trial data that shows this. You can show me some circumstantial observational data that, that supports that, and I can show you just as much to show you that it's nonsense. But people have just bought into this narrative. Now, I know these people will go get a fourth, and if they recommend it, a fifth shot, and they're not stupid people. It's not like we're talking about idiots that are uneducated and ignorant and don't know any better. These are smart, well-educated, well-informed people. I shouldn't say well-informed, but informed people that are doing this and just so blindly complying that you're going, hey, wait, if the first two didn't work, the third one didn't work, why would the fourth
0: one work? Four times the charm there, I,
1: I feel like I'm playing Pictionary with somebody that keeps guessing the same answer, and I've already said no. Like, all right, no, it's not an eagle. Eagle, no. Like, at some point, what are you doing? Stop. Pause. It's okay to ask a question, especially when the people selling this nonsense is Pfizer and pharmaceutical companies. Like, what else do they have to do to earn your skepticism? I promise you, whatever you could want to see out of these companies to make you skeptical of their claims, they've done it, and they've done worse. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. I, again, I I give this dude credit just for going on TV and being like, yeah, get another one. Like, just get it. Like, and this is just very to have to have the to, audacity. The, yeah, just to... Complete lack of awareness, too, just to be like, eh, well, or maybe he's fully aware. Instead I want
1: to have that level of confidence right. one day in my life <laughs> where I feel so confident in myself that I could go in front of a television reporter, a news anchor on national TV and with a straight face say, hey, guys, you need a fourth one and then go, well, why? Like, well, it's just not working after three. So we need four. Yeah, obviously. And if you doubt that, it's because you're a science denier and ignorant. Wait, this just doesn't. This is very reminiscent of the opioid epidemic where people were having breakthrough cases because they made that term up where it just wasn't working. And the answer every time was double the dosage. How long until they say we just got to up the mRNA? We're going to double your dosage on the fifth booster and that's going to miraculously work.
0: Well, I don't want them to figure out anything pretty much at this point because I feel like it's only in an effort to. Cover up the things that they've done already. So I don't know. Anything other COVID you want to talk about here? I know you sent me something from uh, Doctor Bhattacharya about uh, pre-existing uh, or uh, some yeah, blood they samples.
1: At, uh, blood samples like from people that had donated blood in Europe back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they tested it, and there's already antibodies.
0: September and November of 2019.
1: September, November 2019, and they already had COVID antibodies in there, which means COVID was very prevalent. I shouldn't say very prevalent, but COVID was prevalent enough that people were developing antibodies to it in September of 2019. In Europe. In Europe. Not Asia, not China, in Europe. That means it was in America, folks. It's just the way that it works. There was no travel restrictions. People were going back and forth. And if this thing is half as transmissible as they are claiming it is, there's no question it was everywhere already. Which just means every measure that we took was even more useless than we had already anticipated and known. Yeah. You couldn't contain it. It was gone. It was already out. The cat was out of the bag before we started. So... That's kind of shocking. And I don't know, I don't have a take on this yet. It's it's still early. We are seeing an uptick in COVID in a lot of countries where you shouldn't be seeing an uptick in COVID right now. And in a lot of, this goes back to the vaccinated piece. A lot of very highly vaccinated countries are having COVID surges. Now it could just be seasonal. It's worth watching though to see what happens. I, I don't know where this is going to go. I hope nowhere. I hope it just flattens out. It was just in response to this little cold flu, cold, um, Snap that we've been experiencing I don't know the weather in Europe So maybe that's nonsense I don't know But it's definitely worth keeping an eye on And we'll keep you posted as we continue to watch that And for the first time in three years, Sean In America, the prevalence of the flu Has returned to a level higher than that of COVID
0: Thankfully, those missing flu pictures On the uh, milk cartons worked So that was good
1: I mean, it was the mask. We took mask off. Oh, and the flu came back. Right.
0: <laughs> Obviously. All right. All right. Let's let's transition to. Uh, I guess this is Ukraine Russia related, uh, but uh, Facebook is allowing has. Uh, you may we may I'm I'm aware maybe you're aware that uh, Facebook uh, traditionally does not allow violent speech on their platform. Um, they have made an exception to that, Mister Hugh Song. In light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, you are now allowed to wish upon or death upon Russians, awesome. so and violence against them, um, as long as, you know, they're doing it in the name of Ukraine. So Facebook is now backtracked on their no-violent speech on their platform, uh, in particular situations where it uh, aligns with their political spectrum, I guess. So, did you see the DuckDuckGo also uh, decided yes. to downrank? Uh, Disinformation. Disinformation coming out of Russia, so uh, they basically sabotaged themselves. Where yeah, they were, they were positioned ex- almost perfectly to uh, take the baton and run away as far as Google as possible. But uh, nope, they dropped it. So
1: they, the problem is, they say, "Well, no, we never said that we weren't going to do that. We said we were. We're all about privacy. privacy right, we're not yeah. going to track you." And, and the reality is, everybody, myself included, who got very accustomed to using DuckDuckGo. I don't think that just because I use DuckDuckGo, I'm not getting tracked anymore. I'm using an Apple phone connected to Wi-Fi. Like, listen, your your browser's adorable, but it's not stopping me from getting tracked. I discuss a refrigerator out loud in the vicinity of my cell phone, and oddly enough, I get advertisements for refrigerators. I, it's not, it, it wasn't the privacy. I, I'm well aware that I have no privacy online either way. What I liked it for was the idea that you weren't, manipulating the results, and here's why. I understand that Russians are engaging in misinformation. I don't need you to protect me from it. I don't. I I know what I'm reading is going to be slanted when it comes from the Russian times. Like, I'm not an idiot, I I understand, but I'm still interested in the perspective from their side of it. I know that we used to call that a good thing when you wanted to understand both sides of an issue, when you wanted to put yourself in the shoes of, of your opponent to understand where are they coming from and what are they doing. And here's the thing. 11,000 Russian soldiers are allegedly dead. It's more than we lost in 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. Color me skeptical, but that's not misinformation. Those are the Ukrainian numbers. So the idea that the Ukrainians are not engaging in misinformation but the Russians are is the level of logic that a child would apply to this, because there's good guys and there's bad guys, and the good guys don't lie and the bad guys do.
0: Yeah, they actually. I don't even think it's that. I think they know they lie. They just support the lies.
1: Correct. It's they, it's not a
0: question of uh, like these guys aren't doing it. No, they're doing it. They actually encourage them to do it.
1: Right, and because that's noble and right. that's good. And this is going to be the problem. Back to Facebook allowing calls for violence. Of here's I again am of the opinion that all speech should be allowed short of a direct call for violence in the immediacy. Like, you should be allowed to say, I hope Vladimir Putin, I hope somebody kills him. Fine, I I got no problem with it. It's very different than saying, you, standing right next to Vladimir Putin, stab him right now, stab him. That's not protected speech. Everything else, short of that, and yelling fire in a crowded theater, that's a well-established one as well. Other than that, I think it should all be allowed. I want to know who you are. That's, I'm very consistent on that. If you are a Nazi, I don't think anybody should try to shut you up and I'm not going to hit you. I'm not a punch a Nazi kind of guy. I'm not going to do business with you. I'm not going to hang out with you. We're not going to be friends, but I would rather know that in advance that your business is a neo-Nazi supporter. So I don't accidentally spend money there. I don't want you to do it secretly. I want you to tell me out loud. That's all I'm asking for. But Facebook opted to go differently. And they said, look, we're a civil society, no calls for violence. I don't like the separate. I don't like that, okay, but these people you can call out violence against. Guys, we did this before. It doesn't go well. None of this ends well if you start going. And for all of my innumerable experts on Russian-Ukrainian relations that I turned out to have in my friends on Facebook and in real life, some level of humility that maybe there's more to this that we don't understand and maybe the notion of the Ukrainians are the good guys and the Russians are the bad guys is at least partially incorrect cartoonish like maybe the russians are the bad guys and the ukrainians are also the bad guys Yeah, there's no good guys right maybe it's not the ukrainian people that are the bad guys but maybe the government that was installed by a western power not gonna point any fingers or anything maybe that was they're not great people maybe the fact that a country has a neo-nazi battalion fighting its battles for them should be a red flag for all of us Maybe we should all simultaneously go, wait a minute. This isn't like when our media calls people neo-Nazis because they don't want to make a cake for a gay couple. This is like legit neo-Nazi Hitler supporters waving flags.
0: Send them guns.
1: And we, we funded them. We, we <laughs> armed them. Like, think about how many times we've done this. Historically, we did it with Muslim uh, fundamentalists, like extreme Muslim terrorists that we funded to fight a bad guy that we didn't like. And then, you know... Oddly enough, in Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq, the the Muslim fundamentalist bad guys that we gave weapons and money to turned out to then be a big problem that we had to deal with again. So can't you just see the pattern repeating itself of like we're giving a bunch of guns to actual self-proclaimed neo-Nazis and there's enough of them to form a battalion and have a significant effect on the war? Say what you will about America there you couldn't get that here you couldn't get enough to join an outwardly neo-nazi militia group like not enough to matter and every other militia group would be like yeah no we we, we don't we're not with them no i put you put, what are you bringing a swastika here no no go away because it would be crazy so the fact that that does exist there tells me there's something i'm not understanding i'm and the fact that they're coming out and saying 11,000 russian soldiers have died I don't believe it. I, I like, I, I think I get what you're doing and that's fine, but it doesn't make me a bad person because I'm going, I, I don't believe those numbers. I, I don't think that's accurate.
0: You're a Putin apologist.
1: Yeah. Like I I'm, I'm spreading Russian disinformation, the bio labs thing that, that we're talking about now. Um, we are apparently funding bio labs all across Ukraine and it, it follows the same pattern. No, we're not. It's Russian disinformation. Okay, it is, but it's not what you think it is. Okay, we are, and it's a good thing. It's about to be that we're funding something over there. I, I don't know if it's bioweapons or just bio labs, but I know that the Wuhan Virology Lab was not weapons-grade, and something escaped from... I shouldn't say that. I'm so sorry. Allegedly, something escaped from there, and it basically brought the world to its knees for two straight years. So maybe the fact that it's not necessarily weapons-labs... Shouldn't mean we just dismiss this outright. Maybe the fact that the United States Department of State representative went in a public hearing and said we're very concerned the Russians are going to take these over and get what's inside should set off a few alarm bells. They're not doing that over, I I don't know what, like, cross-pollination of plants. Like, they don't care if Russia gets that information. We wouldn't care. The fact that whatever is in there we're worried that the Russians might get Tells me it's not good. And then something came out today in the the Sun, the British paper, that said um, they're, they're worried that the Russians are going to set off a biological attack using what they found in the bio labs. Yeah, then you're going, what, what is in here? Seems
0: and, like a perfect false flag for oh, somebody to move forward with. But.
1: And, and now we're accusing Russia of they're going to use this as a false flag. Uh, like, yeah, they probably are, but so are we. Like This is my point, is not that Russia is good. They're not. Vladimir Putin is not a good person. Neither is Joe Biden. Like, neither is Zelensky, more than likely. He's having his moment right now, and I'm, I'm glad to see that he's putting up a fight. Truly, I am. But I also don't know, like, maybe this isn't what's for the best. Maybe that the idea that this guy got into power at the behest of Western powers within NATO and the EU, and we helped... I don't want to say we necessarily funded or facilitated the coup that put him in power, but we definitely supported it on some level. We, we had a hand we've, we've been known to do that from time to time. Um, and then encouraging him to keep moving more Western and not listening to Vladimir Putin saying, Hey, you, you can't do that. I can't have NATO on my doorstep. I can't have NATO with a free range to run into my country whenever they want. That's not going to work for us. And a, And he was very clear on that. This is unacceptable because it leaves us defenseless against NATO and everybody's saying, like, well, NATO's a purely defensive entity. Yeah, if you live in America, you you believe that. If you lived in Russia, though, you you might be a little skeptical of the U.S. government. Maybe, given our history and everything else. And also a factor that I hadn't considered that, that I think, I don't know if I talked about this last week, Russia in the last 200 years has been invaded three separate times by other European countries. That's something that we cannot relate to in America. We don't get invaded. The last country that invaded us was England in the War of eighteen twelve. I I know Pearl Harbor happened, but there was never a ground attack where they invaded the country. So since that's happened, Russia has been invaded by Napoleon, by Hitler, and during the second uh, during the first World War, they got it. They, I mean, if they didn't kill everybody in trenches. They started to move into Russia there too. So that's three separate times since the last time we were invaded that they have had countries, European countries, invade them. So I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's wrong, but I know that the majority of Russians, if the Ukraine joined NATO, would favor military action. So are they wrong? are Are we sure? This is what I mean about all my expert friends on Russian-Ukrainian history and relations. I don't know. And I get the, uh, the counter-argument of, well, the people of Ukraine want to join NATO. So what right does Vladimir Putin have to say no? Well, none. But just because the Ukrainians want to join NATO, it, that doesn't mean they have the right to. That That's almost like if you're going to play this world police power and you want to secure and have peace in the world then you have to understand the geopolitical landscape and say that if that happens, sorry, we know you want to join, but we can't. We can't let you because it would upset the balance of powers in the world and directly lead to an increased chance of World War III. So we're not, we can't, I I know you want to, lots of countries want to, but I think North Atlantic Trade Organization, I'm not sure where Ukraine touches the North Atlantic Ocean. I'm not sure how that's an automatic that just because you want to get in, you get to get in. That's not how this works. Because it would be bad, it would, it would actually undercut the entire existence, the entire reasoning for the existence of NATO. So I don't know what to tell you. And, well, they gave up their nukes because we promised to protect them and Russia promised not to invade. Guys, I got bad news for you. The Russians lie, and so do we. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think any country should do what they did at that point and believe and trust that we're going to take care of them. We have shown so many times we're not. We helped the Afghanis beat off the Russians, and then we left. Like, it was nothing. and let the Taliban take over. Brilliant. The, uh, Venezuela, we tried a coup and then left. Syria, we just left. Iraq, we just left. Afghanistan, again, we packed up in the middle of the night after 20 years. And got out of Dodge, like we. Nobody should believe us at this point. We have no credibility, none. I, I don't understand why any country would want would listen to us and go. Don't worry, the Americans will protect us.
0: Yeah, they don't. It's just the governments that because they're getting paid right. by our government. So and people, the people across. I don't think the people are think all that highly of us. To be honest with you,
1: I don't think that highly of our government at this point. I don't. I, like. I I can't. I can't. The more you learn, the more you're going, holy crap, this is like reprehensible level stuff here. This is, I grew up very patriotic. We're the good guys, land of the free, home of the brave, USA, USA. And then as I got older, I joined the army. I was fairly patriotic. I was I'm going to serve my country. And I did. And now I look back at everything I've learned in this time and some of it firsthand experience, some of it reading things that got released through foil requests or just time and you start to put some dots together and go, wait, we we did just get blatantly lied into wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they attempted to lie us into a war with Syria. And it didn't work, thankfully. And then we, oh, my God, Libya. I forgot about Libya and all of this. Like, all these countries that we do this stuff in. And I'm just going, but it, it's so inconsistent. Because if we're just here to protect the innocent from these horrific world powers and, and despots, Why are we letting the Yemen civil war happen? Why are we letting Saudi Arabia kill hundreds of thousands of people in this country? Oh, because we buy oil from them? That feels warm and fuzzy. Thank God for that. I feel really good. So why why are we so invested in Russia, Ukraine versus what's happening, what happened in Libya, what happened in um, Yemen, what happened in Afghanistan, what happened in Iraq? In Syria, in Georgia back in 2008, in Crimea back in 2008. And and listen, I really don't think that it's a racist thing. I, I think it's something else. Because we don't care when it happens to anybody, regardless of race. We didn't care when it happens in South America. We didn't care when it happened in Eastern Europe. We didn't care when it happened anywhere. But for some reason, we're really, really supposed to care now. And I feel like we're walking into a trap. And the problem with the trap is... You get enticed with something that you want, and I want to believe that the Ukrainians are the good guys and the Russians are the bad guys. I want to believe that. It'd be the easiest way to go. The prob- and this is the problem. They don't trap you with things that are easy to resist and turn away from. You get trapped with things that are hard to walk away from. Think back to 03 when they were talking about invading Iraq. Anybody that came out and was like, there's no proof they have weapons of mass destruction? That's crazy. Like, oh. You were a conspiracy theorist. You were a crazy person. You were not patriotic. You didn't love America. You didn't support the troops. You had all these things levied at you simply by pointing out that you were 100% right. Hey, if like every hijacker came from Saudi Arabia and they flew into the planes and they trained in Saudi Arabia, they got money from Saudi Arabia, should we discuss maybe holding the Saudi Arabians accountable? Shut up. Going to Afghanistan. Oh, okay. We're carpet bombing the country. Um oh, okay. Hey, how the Taliban get in power in Afghanistan that they're letting this happen? Don't ask that question. Oh, where they get these weapons. These look like American made weapons. Shut up. All right, cool. Sorry. But we didn't know any of that at the time. Well, some people did, I certainly didn't, and most people didn't. It wasn't common knowledge and we had forgotten. We gave them the weapons to fight the communists of the USSR and their civil and their little war little war Jeez, that lasted a long time and 15,000 people died um 15,000 Russians I don't even know how many Afghanis died I I got nothing I I don't know why we're why is this the one that we're getting steered in and did you see the thing about Iran lobbed some missiles at an Iraqi U.S. base in Iraq the, last night or <laughs> I don't know if true it is, I, like it's Twitter, so you know, bear with me. I'm, I'm not sure if it's accurate or not, but it, there's there's been reports that some, no casualties, no real damage, but some missiles got fired from the Iranian side of the border to the Iraqi side of the border and landed in the vicinity of a United States base.
0: That'll help. Well, I will say some good news maybe, Mr. Husson. Hit me with it. I could use it. Well, you shared this with me. This is uh, from your favorite uh, online Russian today. Uh, <laughs> Moscow and uh, Kiev may soon come to agreement. Russian negotiator. This is obviously a, uh, a Russian negotiator's. I don't know if they leaked information or whatever, but I've seen this in other news reports there. But I figured I would just share the RT one for shits and giggles. To be honest with you, about good. Um, you are going to get kicked off. Yeah, meetings. something. <laughs> but I, I this was this. I've seen this on Yahoo and a bunch of other places where there is at least some negotiations going on. Some peace talks. Um, we talked some of the uh, uh, Russian demands last week, I think, and, and we can probably go over those. I don't think much of them have changed, which were basically what you talked about, Ukraine staying neutral and not joining the EU or NATO. Russia would also gain uh, the Crimea territory, which basically they all...
1: They do anyway. They, right, they
0: exist there now as is. So and that we would didn't be-
1: say a word about it when they took it.
0: And that there would be the um, the uh, the eastern regions of Ukraine uh, would be given their independence uh, from Ukraine, which Russia had had acknowledged just before this uh, uh, situation took took hold. Anyway, so um, I'm assuming that there and Moscow or um, Ukraine and Zelensky himself has made basically overtures to those were all you know workable agreements. So I feel like. As long as U.S. doesn't sit down at that table, that they should be able to uh, move forward and uh, find some, some. uh, I guess uh, yeah, peaceful solution would be the right uh, hope anyway. So uh, there is at least a silver lining, a hope maybe uh, somewhere in the near future.
1: This is where we've comment. I we discussed this last week, and I I think I said last week. I don't think we understand what the end game is. I don't. I don't. And then you read on the on the show last week when they first came out with the terms for peace, and I was like, I don't think they're trying to take over Ukraine because if they were, their strategy makes no sense. What they're doing does not make sense if you're trying to overtake a country with shock and awe, and it doesn't make sense feasibly how you would occupy that country. It's big. It would be a lot of unrest. And every, all these expert pundits keep coming out being like, well, it's because the Russians miscalculated the fight and the guts of the Ukrainians. Like, maybe, maybe. And then everybody's writing these well-thought-out op-eds about, you know what the problem is? Putin doesn't have an endgame. He doesn't know how to get out of this quagmire. Like, Putin is increasingly isolating himself, and we think that he got COVID, and that might have led to his brain being different, and he's crazy now, and he, he, he's lost it, so he might just fire a nuke. Like, well, he's not engaging in much air support. He's not sending most of his forces. If anything, he seems to be enclosing and like a, almost like a boa constrictor of, of squeezing in around major cities and not leveling them at all. But coming in and then making it clear they're cutting off supplies so that the Ukrainians are going to have to give up. Because if they can't get food and water and they can't get medical care, eventually you're under siege. You're, you can't win. Um, and then despite all this that we're hearing about how so the, the Russians are getting nowhere and 11,000 of them have died and they're shooting all their helicopters out of the air. And then like the next day, very little press coverage. You hear Russia has Kiev surrounded. Russia is 40 kilometers outside of the capital. Russia has this city surrounded, this city surrounded, and this city surrounded. You're like, wait, which is it? And my my stance then was, I don't think we understand what the end game is. I I don't think we're correct in assuming he just wants to take over Ukraine. And I think he does want to make sure that he's going to keep Crimea because they want the natural gas deposits that are right off the coast, but he also needs the area right above that to have the canal reopened, and turned back on so that they can get fresh water out to Crimea. And, yeah, I think he would love it. I think the the two separatist regions are the thing he could give up on, that he could concede back and say, okay, they could be Ukrainian again. And then eventually, if there is that popular of sentiment, they're going to reclaim their independence and go. But that allows everybody to save face, and it allows the Ukrainian government to not become... Completely obliterated because I don't see any way Ukraine wins this fight. Yeah, I, no, I the,
0: the only thing I think question is whether or not Russia implements more demands. Right, so if they want if they if they want uh, Zelensky to be nothing more than just a, a paper leader and actually install some other kind of government, then that's going to be a problem. I feel for like. sure um, they're not saying that now, though. No, but they 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 have they haven't demanded that, but they have hinted at leadership change as well. So. I, but who knows? If, I mean,
1: if it avoids the potential for a nuclear war or I mean something else, and the the terms are Russia gets to cre- keep Crimea, which it already has, and the Ukraine has to agree not to join NATO or the EU. I'm in. I mean, sorry, I'm kind of uh, I think NATO is coming to an end shortly anyway. So I'm uh, shortly doesn't mean a matter of months. Shortly means within the next decade. I think NATO is coming to an end. Um, I think it's outlived its benefit for the United States, and I don't think it makes sense for us to be the world security force any longer because, number one, we've abused that power beyond belief, and number two, the sentiment and the support for it in the United States is dwindling and continuing to decrease, and I don't see that changing. So... The idea that they can't, and I think also the EU is not long for this world either. It's It was a fun little experiment, but these countries are way too different. And despite what you read in the media, half of them hate each other. Like, how tired would you, if you're Germany, how tired are you right now of having to deal with Greece's inability to balance a budget? Yeah. Or every other country in Europe, I said, I mean, except well, Germany. Yeah,
0: so, what, well, UK got out, right? So. The
1: UK got out. Um, and they're not going to be the last one. That's the reality. Is there is a a populist nationalist drive taking hold right now, where most people don't want a international global community where you're answering to the dictates of leaders you didn't elect. Where because somebody said something in Germany, you have to now go do it in America. We we don't want that. Yeah. Most people don't. Some people do, but I don't. I think it's shrinking. So if that's what it takes and i'm sorry that the ukrainians don't get to join the eu genuinely i am but i also this at the at the risk of sounding like a putin sympathizer i understand the russians um hesitation complete hatred of the idea of having all of the ukraine be a, be a part of NATO and entitled to all the defenses thereof because it does leave them very exposed. I hope they do leave a pro-Western leadership in there. I think that's great. But let engage in trade, engage in everything else. You don't need to be in the EU. You don't need to be in NATO. Like The, the benefits do not outweigh the cost for the entire world in this situation, in my opinion. Yeah, and that no. could change tomorrow as I learn new information, just so we all understand each other. But yeah. that's where I'm at right now. Who knows what tomorrow will bring.
0: All right. All right. Before we hit this last topic, our Ukraine, uh, our U.S. bio labs in Ukraine here, give one more shout out to everybody here who's uh, tuned in. Uh, make sure you can uh, share and uh, like this video. Give us a rumble or whatever that is over there on the uh, rumble. And, help uh, the algorithm, folks. Help the algorithms. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about something we're not supposed to talk about. Or My favorite. Yeah. We do it best. Um
1: it's like half our show.
0: <laughs> so I feel like on I think I got my dates right. It's February twenty fourth. I'm doing my Twitter thing, and I come across uh, I think the screen name was something with W clandestine was the uh, Twitter handle, and this person is sharing a bunch of links uh, to Russia and China uh, news organizations, basically calling out the U S for their biolab research facilities that are going on in Ukraine. Right. And so this is something I found interesting. I was like, Oh, well, not only do we have biolabs in Wuhan, we have biolabs, other places, uh, Ukraine, which basically barely became a country a decade ago, um, or at least started over a decade ago, somehow has biological research facilities in this, uh, uh, country that, uh, uh, was dismissed as conspiracy theory uh, early on. Uh, USA Today, among others, all came out basically trashing anybody who, uh, um, and that clandestine guy. that got his whole Twitter handle taken down, uh, and I don't think he's back. But fast forward here to a Senate hearing just last week. Senator Marco Rubio, probably much to his surprise, was interviewing Victoria Newland, who I believe is like the Undersecretary for uh, Ukraine uh, for the State Department. Uh, You mentioned a coup in 2014. She was uh, the puppet master of that as well.
1: She was present. Yeah,
0: something like that. Along with... Present with the strings on her fingers. Um, So basically, she's being interviewed, and I think Rubio was trying to dismiss the idea that there was biolabs in Ukraine, but much to his surprise, she answered yes. Uh, Well, Rubio... Uh, specifically asked if there was bio weapons labs in uh, Ukraine, and Newland responded, "There are bio research facilities in Ukraine." So,
1: you know what the most striking thing about her answer was? It didn't start with no,
0: right? Like it literally, I mean, you would think almost as a choreograph that Rubio knew she was going to say no, and she didn't say no, and that basically, I mean, listen, he did his best to pull it back to Putin is bad, and uh, if there's ever going to be a biological. Uh, problem in ukraine we know who the the bad actors are going to be it's going to be putin it's not going to be ukraine so uh, he tried to cover his ass but the cat was out of the bag and uh in a bizarre act of truth uh victoria newland outed the state department as uh yes we do have bio research facilities in ukraine so whoops whoops is right um all these news articles where uh, China, the governments of China and uh, Russia, were basically questioning whether or not the U.S. had control of these uh, weapons now seems very relevant uh, as we are in a war in Ukraine and
1: we're not in a war in Ukraine.
0: <laughs> we are not, um, but Victoria Newland uh, basically made the assertion of she's now worried that uh, Russian or the Russians could get whatever information is being researched at these research facilities into the hands of the Russian government, much to uh, the demise of the rest of us, at least, anyway. But anyway, so it turns out there was, in fact, U.S. biolabs in Ukraine, and here we are, I don't know. There's they they're literally, this has got to be, a, 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 um, I'm going to go back to, Gates and Epstein and Fauci and all these people like this is something that they have known this whole time right I mean there's no way that they were, they were they were not involved in this so where else do we have all these bio labs it would be my next question and are we basically do we have a global bio weapons uh program going on basically without anybody's supervision yeah it sounds like we do
1: of course it's not even new information but All right, let's go back to uh, Marco Rubio, who, by the way, is making a stunningly strong case for being the worst elected official that we have. God bless you, Marco Rubio. You you do a great job at making everybody hate you, almost regardless of party, which is really impressive. But anyways, here's what I find so troubling about the exchange. Number one, when he asked, do we have bioweapon labs in Ukraine? The answer was not no. The answer was, we have bioresearch labs, okay, which are apparently close enough that you couldn't say no to the idea that there's weapons being made there. Cool. More concerning. I don't know how to break this to those of you who don't know this yet, but generally, if the government doesn't want us to know or doesn't want a senator to know something, they just lie. They don't try to parse details. They don't try to, like, get into the weeds. They say no. No. And then when it gets found out later that we have bio research labs in the Ukraine, they come back and say, "Well, the question was, do we have bio weapons?" And we said, "No," because that was accurate. What well, we have are bio re- Then you get into the explanation after you get caught. So my fear is she went into the parsing of the details already, which means we were gonna find out very shortly that we do in fact have bio bio labs across the Ukraine. And my bigger fear is we're going to find out we were doing some stuff in those labs that make Wuhan look like the common cold before they modified it. All right. I don't know any of this to be true. I don't know if any of this is accurate. I might proven completely wrong on this. But the government lies for a reason. And the government doesn't lie for a reason. And the only time they don't lie about something they don't want you to know is that they, it's too late to stop, that they already know they can't contain it and the lie would just be completely out in the open immediately. No gray area, no wiggle room. So that's super concerning, number one. I don't know what we were doing in those things, and I love the counter argument. Well, they had all these Soviet scientists, and they needed to basically put them on welfare, so we did this as a strategy to make sure they didn't join Iran. Cool. When did the Soviet Union collapse again, Sean? Uh,
0: That's that when I was a kid.
1: 30 years ago?
0: So we're 30
1: years ago, and we're still getting new rounds of funding, and you're telling me they're not really doing anything 30 years later that all these scientists that were so afraid will join Iran or these other countries that we don't like, then they're not smart enough to realize that we're just paying them to do dummy work and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything on their own? Like, we, as a, as a country, the arrogance that we have is remarkable. I'm kind of proud of it. Like, it, it, I, if you choose to call it confidence, it's actually super impressive. If you view it as arrogance, it's a little less impressive. But we are so sure of ourselves. It's amazing. Like, well, they had these Soviet scientists, and we had to do something with them, so we paid them to do nothing. Like, oh, okay, so they didn't figure out in 30 years after they were apparently already experts in the field within the Soviet Union. So dangerous that if what they knew was brought to a foreign power, they could use it to destroy us. But they're just, they're cool with working on grain shortages now. Like they, they're not doing anything. And, and let's go to the other side of this. You don't think the American government would want a piece of what they were building if it was that destructive? You don't, you don't think the U.S. government between George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden, you don't think any of them would have been like, wait, you mean that they have scientists that know how to kill a ton of people with biological warfare? Well, we can't have that. Shut everything. No, no, seriously. Keep them open. Keep them funding. We'll call with something else. And just keep it working. Let's find out where this goes. Cause we gotta know from a defensive standpoint only. Obviously we would never go on the offensive because we're America, but we gotta know what they're what they're doing. I would encourage all of you to look into Operation Paperclip, because we did something similar with Nazi scientists when they came over after the war and we were in the race against the Soviet Union to see how many of the smartest Nazi scientists who were the most adept at killing the most amount of people in the most creative ways we could employ that happened. That's, that's very public knowledge at this point that just doesn't get covered. Uh, and they called it operation paperclip because the files that were brought in that were high value. People had a paperclip on the outside of the file folder. So the person that was trying to get them approved knew we have to get this one no matter what war crimes they committed this one you're not allowed to say no to. All the ones that had paper clips on it. That's how creative our government is, ladies and gentlemen. That was the legitimate reason why it was called Operation Paperclip. That was the only thing—a paperclip on the outside of the file folder. So, forgive me for being skeptical and not taking Marco Rubio at his word that the U.S. would never fund dangerous biological research that close to the Ukraine and that close to Russia. Uh, that's my other favorite argument against it is you think the u.s is really dumb enough to put that kind of stuff right on the border of russia yeah right like well we did one in china so yeah like the the idea that it would be stupid is no reason to believe our government (laughs) didn't do it let's be clear
0: and i was gonna say so you know these are uh this is uh data from the chinese foreign ministries so take that with a grain of salt there but uh reading this uh from glenn greenwald's uh, uh substack the Chinese Foreign Ministry this month claimed the U.S. has 336 labs in 30 countries under its control, including 26 in Ukraine alone. So, again, I don't know that. We're, we're, I'm assuming they have some "quote unquote" evidence that they're using to uh, reference these uh, 336 uh, labs in 30 countries. But why do, we need, not,
1: why do we need 26 labs in the Ukraine? What are they? They're not doing the same thing at all these labs, right? So, why do we have? 26 different labs in the Ukraine alone.
0: And that, again, they had to happen in a very quick time turnaround. I mean, if you're in the middle of a coup in 2014, I'm guessing your biological uh, uh, labs are not the highest uh, priority at that point. I mean, I'm sure they are for us, but I mean, the the I'm guessing the... I'm guessing most of the research was done after that. So within the last six, eight years, they have twenty-six labs.
1: I think the funding went back before that, but let's again play this out geopolitical wise. You have Soviet scientists that you're worried are gonna to go to a foreign country, so you let them stay in Ukraine where there is a Russian puppet as the president for the pre up until two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. It was a Russian puppet t- is leading the country from nineteen ninety-one on, from the time it became a country. It was basically just I shouldn't say that, but from around 2000 on, it was th- we were funding them then, and you're like, it, it, that was okay? Like, you guys, use your heads. Like, obviously, this doesn't hold up. This defense doesn't hold up any more than the, the invasion is taking way longer than Putin thought, but he's still not committing any more troops or his force. Like, he's not using air support. He's so mad that it's not going faster, but he's not doing anything about it. He's just going to go to nukes. Like you got to be able to draw these connections and see where they don't make sense. This is another one that doesn't make sense. If the whole explanation can be summed up as, well, we needed a place to basically fund Nazis, or not Nazis, uh, USSR scientists, after the fall of the cold uh, of the Soviet Union, <laughs> why would we do 26 of them in Ukraine? We, like, how many did we destroy? How many did we just bulldoze because they already existed? Why, why did we keep these 26 open? And even when the government was not very U S friendly and very Russian friendly, and obviously passing every bit of information along to the Kremlin. Why were we funding them straight through that? Like that does not make sense. It does not check out. There's gotta be more to the story. It's like everything else. It's probably partially true. The best lies are 99% true. They just change one detail that changes everything. So I have to imagine this is the same thing. Like, Yeah, it was probably a part of the reason, but we're still funding 26 of them 30 years later. I don't think that we're worried about the scientists leaving at this point. I I, I don't think anybody's really worried about that. And if we were, why wouldn't we bring them to America or send them to a country a little further away from Russia? And again, we put labs in China that we funded this kind of research in, and you don't think we put them near Russia? Come on. You're just not paying attention.
0: This is wishful thinking. Yeah. It's, I mean, the story, the part of the story that we didn't really talk about is the fact that this was all labeled as disinformation immediately until they could no longer do it anymore. So
1: I love that people still accuse conspiracy theorists of like, oh my God, you still believe that. And you're like,
0: Listen, I remember many, you know. Top line, even if you if you saw the Tucker Carlson episode where they talked about the biolabs, he basically makes fun of the story for the first couple minutes. He's like, There's no way the story could be true, but here we are, and the story is true, basically. So it's this idea that our government is run amok, nobody's holding them accountable, our media is complicit at best, and
1: an active part of yes, participants yeah. at worst. Right.
0: So it's it's a crazy time to be a freaking live. That's it's, all I know.
1: This is why wa- and watching people cling all these people that always mocked the idea of American exceptionalism are now the biggest ones that are like the, the most pro government cheerleaders I've ever seen. Like, and the people that used to be super benefit of the doubt to the USA, Hey, accidents happen, but that they have a good reason for what they're doing. The CIA might be a little bit out outstay- outlandish, but we need them. Me, that, that was me are now like, wait, wait. Wait, this this is way worse than I thought. I got questions. I don't know what the answers are, but I got questions. And the people that used to make fun of me correctly for having all of those thoughts about how naive I was in my patriotism, and they were right, they've now just jumped on board so far of, like, the USA is so good, we got to go kill the Russians. Like, wait, do you even understand what's happening? No, but obviously we're the good guys. And you're like, well, we do bad stuff, but we wouldn't do that here. What? why not? what's so unique about this place? Well, it's near our greatest one of our two greatest geopolitical rivals we we put a lab inside the other of our two greatest geopolitical rivals um how long until we realize that we've got some lab in Russia too that yeah. we're funding like eventually we're gonna find that out. so we give way too much credit to the government honestly yeah. I, I mean and it's it's horrifying what we do and I don't know how to process. Any of this, other than total skepticism at everything I am told at this point, yeah. Uh, from both sides, I think the Russians absolutely spread misinformation. So does the U.S. Yeah. I, there was a, a bill; somebody put it up. A Republican sponsored a bill to bring back what is it—the the card and whatever—to to legalize privateers to go out and be pirates and take over Russian oligarch property. Like we live in the craziest. I kind of officially. It's not okay to take things away from rich Russian people without a trial, without who may or may not have done anything wrong. It's really not legally okay. I, I, I know that. I stand by that. And I get that the Russians are using their oligarchs to spread their dangerous lies and misinformation, whereas the United States is bringing in 26 of the top TikTok influencers to in, educate people impartially on the situation in Ukraine that opened with, we all know the Russians hacked the 2016 election. That's different somehow, but anyways, it's still not okay. You, you shouldn't go and take property from people without a trial in this country. That, that is a given. It's something that we have, have long stood for at the same time. Does it make me a bad person that I want to go be a pirate and go, go take property from rich Russians. Like, I, I, I think I'd give it back eventually, but just the thrill of it. Just make
0: sure you're wired up with a mic.
1: Oh, my God. It would be so
0: get great reality TVs.
1: How many chances in this day and age do you get to be a pirate uh, and be on the, quote, good guy side and be a pirate? I don't even know. I like being at sea, to be clear here. Like, I, I there's a reason I didn't join the Navy. I'm not wild about being out at sea. But kind of intrigued by that notion. I'd be lying if I said, there's like, the little child that's still within me was immediately like, wait. I could get legal protection to go be a
0: pirate. Well, look for the spinoff uh sports clicks and politics where Ben's a pirate <laughs> in the Black Sea. Yes.
1: <laughs> Coming All to right. you live as we're jumping onto a ship. Yeah. I'm taking over a yacht. Well. I'd be the worst pirate.
0: Yeah. Well, but a pirate nonetheless. I
1: mean, it'd be kind of fun.
0: That's all I'm saying.
1: You can't tell me that there's not a part of you that's intrigued it's by that notion. I mean, I'm 50, so. That's, I mean, I'm almost 40
0: in a couple of years. All right. all right.
1: I shouldn't be like, I, I shouldn't have that excitement about the idea of becoming a pirate. I know that. I know I'm too old for that. And if my kids are listening, I'm sorry that you know that about your dad now. But I'd be lying if I said there's not a part of me. I'm not going to do it, but there's not a part of me that is intrigued by that notion.
0: Yeah. I don't judge, so. I wish you nothing but happiness. All right, folks, you've taken up enough of your Monday. Uh, Mr. Houston. would you like to leave the folks with anything, uh, any words of enlightenment, any uh, words of wisdom, any uh, jokes?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just had pirate jokes run through my mind, but no, we're going to let go of that. Uh, Advice, wisdom, ask more questions and be less certain. That's all I got is we don't understand what's happening. No matter what, we don't see the full picture. So, Every conclusion you're drawing under. Can we stop
0: jumping to to like the most reactive position immediately? I mean, how many people had, do you know who literally like we should do, have a no-fly zone? I'm like what? No, we should not have a right. fly zone. Like, I mean, like that. I don't want to get into that whole conversation right now, but like it seems like that should have been way down on the list of things to be rooting for. And I had many people who I would never have suggested or thought that they were rooting for that would are were rooting for that. I heard people I don't really know, know what the what it actually meant. They no. Because okay.
1: I had people tell me that that would be a good first step to avoid war.
0: Yeah I'm like well you realize who's patrolling the no fly zone, right? right? That's U.S. fighter pilots. So
1: we're gonna go shoot down Russia. So Russian when Russia planes. decides that
0: like they don't care about our no fly zone, guess what happens? Like just play that out.
1: Right. This is so, this is right. this is what we call engagement. That's that's not yeah, disengagement. But i again, that's the biggest thing I can tell anybody is I, I throw out a lot of opinions on here with a complete yeah. notion. I could be wrong on any of these, and it's okay because I recognize we're not playing with a full deck of cards. So you're trying to make predictions when you're not seeing the full picture. It's impossible. You might be right on some stuff. If you're never wrong about anything, there's only two answers. Either you are just not admitting that you're wrong or you're waiting until everything is already played out and you're and you're making predictions in the past tense. That there's no way you could be right about everything that we're seeing between COVID, Russia, I mean, unless Ukraine, you wrote China. the simulation. Well, yeah, if you wrote the simulation and you're sober, which I don't believe, you could probably get some stuff right. But otherwise, we're all taking guesses here and we're trying to predict what's coming and make sense of what's happening. And it's okay to not be sure that the Ukrainians are all these innocent victims of Russian aggression. Like, maybe there's more to it and more complications to this than we understand. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't support the victims of the war in Ukraine. We absolutely should because these are innocent people that don't deserve what is happening to them. It doesn't mean what makes what's playing out on the geopolitical stage is as we're being told. Those are two distinct issues.
0: Yeah. All right, folks. On that note, please uh, do your... Uh... Your fandom uh obligatory sharing and uh liking of the videos. Uh we will see you all again next Monday for another live show. Uh hopefully we will have uh maybe peace in the Ukraine by next Monday. Fingers crossed. All right folks. We can only hope. We'll see you all next Monday.